Hello, listeners. Thank you for joining us for part two of our Penelope Hates Valentine's Day episode. I'm WMN. Today we bring you a conversation with the talented author herself, Rachel619. Before we start, I wanted to give you a heads up. This is not a spoiler-free episode. We discuss potential future developments in The Punishment She Deserves and A Lot Can Change in Eight Years. Please check the podcast description for spoiler timestamps. And now, it is my pleasure to welcome Rachel619 to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me on. Thank you for being here, and thank you for letting us record Penelope Hates Valentine's Day. Oh, you're so welcome. I was honestly really shocked that that's the one that you reached out about. I mean, I I didn't expect you to reach out at all, but when you said you wanted to do that one, I was really surprised, because that actually, of my Holland fanfics on AO3, that one has the second least amount of views. Okay, so I was pouring through, and I was like, I just want something so fluffy. I just want everyone to feel good. And so it wasn't even about, I wasn't even setting out to find a Valentine's Day fit. I just knew that February was going to be our month. I knew that we wanted something just to be super sweet. Yeah. And it's all Colin super besotted the whole time. And you know what? We don't really get a lot of that. Like, Colin POV, one shot. He is just head over feet the whole time. And I just fell in love. That is my favorite Colin. God, I love Colin so much. Um, And I really love writing from Colin's point of view. Yeah. Um, Exploring Colin and exploring what he's thinking and how he'd act. And, you know, he's got his insecurities, too. Like, we... He does. I think a lot of times people... People see him like he's the charming guy, and the only thing he ever gets insecure about is his writing. And I and I just don't think that's accurate too. I mean, like if you read *Romancing Mr. Bridgerton*, which I have many, many, many times, yes. um, you see he does get a little, you know, how is she thinking? What is she thinking? It just is she feeling what I'm feeling? Like, oh, is she coming to see me? Yes. So that's so I really love writing from his point of view, yeah. and I have quite a few times. Um, Penelope hates Valentine's Day might be the only one where it is completely from his point of view um no that's not true because I have the amnesia fic which is also from his point of view um when you had asked me for my favorite fic recommendations I think both of them that I gave you are more mainly from his point of view because that's yeah I just really love seeing that I want to get in his head I think he's such a great character um and yeah I adore him like when I first started watching the show because I watched season one of the show before I read any of the books didn't even know they were books and I couldn't have picked Colin out of lineup for the first four or five episodes like he and and Anthony and Benedict all looked so similar in season one I totally agree and you know what that's like kind of a hot topic I know but I don't know why it is because I feel like we know their makeup and costume and hair department is top notch. Yes. They did it on purpose. They're supposed to be brothers. And I mean, and then you go and read the books and you hear how all the time how similar they look and they're constantly being like yeah. mistaken for each other. And like that's a thing that, you know, Colin has an issue with is always being compared to his brothers. Exactly. Um, but seriously, in season one, it wasn't until um, Benedict and Henry Gra- uh, Granville were flirting. And I literally said out loud to myself and my dog, I was like, oh, he's gay. And I, and I realized 
Benedict may not be gay, or even on the LGBT spectrum. We don't know. No, but I feel like a lot of us were like, (gasps) maybe. But he was flirting so hard. A queer (laughs) storyline. He was flirting so hard with Henry. So, but that—that's the moment. And then that distinguished that, him in that moment. You were like, oh, so Benedict was the first bro that was that stood out. That he, yeah, that stood out in, in a way that I could kind of recognize him. And then, you know, Anthony had more of a meteor storyline in those first few episodes. Yeah. Um, so Colin, I enjoyed his storyline with Marina. And I remember um, really loving Penn all season long, really loving Penelope. And just being like, yeah, that's my girl. I'm being so proud of her all season that she was not giving up Marina's secret. She was keeping that secret. <laughs> and then really? you, you hit the last few minutes and you're like, no, Penelope, why did you do that? It was so close though, right? Cause she went to him. Yeah. Listen, I'm not blaming Penelope. I'm not blaming Marina. I just remember. No, yeah, no. I just, because, okay. No, she made a valiant effort is what I'm saying. Yes. Like, yeah, she tried. And I, I say all this because I was not super into Colin that first season. And I wasn't a shipper. I was going to ask, yeah. I wasn't a shipper that first season. I didn't start shipping them until after the season was over. A friend of mine had invited me to join her book club because they were going to read The Duke and I. Read the book and got to the sep- second epilogue and was basically spoiled <laughs> that Penelope and Colin end up together. So that's kind of where my interest in Penelope and Colin kind of kick-started. was reading that Duke and I second epilogue. And then I kind of forgot about it after that. I didn't read any of the other books. And then I started seeing promo for season two. And they announced Simone Ashley. And I was like, oh, my God, she's gorgeous. I know. Um, and I wanted, I wanted to see her in action. Um, and I wanted to see, like, how they were going to redeem Antony. And it was getting closer and closer to the premiere. And I was like, I guess I'll read the second book and just kind of re- right. be prepared. And then the season aired. And I was so disappointed. <laughs> Not in, I thought Johnny and Simone did a great job. Johnny and Simone and Sharitha did a great job. They were fantastic. I have no qualms with them. And the season was beautiful. Don't get me wrong. But after that season aired, I started reading the rest of the books. And I, so I read Benedict's mm. book. And I will say I, I'm not a fan. Um, but anyways, so after I read an offer from Gentleman, I read Romancing Mr. Bridgerton. And let me just tell you, my world was turned upside down. I love that book and all of its flaws so, so, yes. so much. I read that book, prob- I, I think I finished reading it, and I started reading it immediately again. Um, mm. And I think I probably read it four times in succession, like after the first time that I read it. Like, I just loved it so much. I think the story is so lovely. Um, and I think Book Colin, other than the few little problematic anger moments... Um, I think Book Colin is just probably one of my favorite romantic heroes I've ever read. He's just so yummy and so good. And I love every word that he says. And so I was a Penelope girl at, in season one of yeah. Bridgerton. And I am now a Colin girly, like, so, so <laughs> much. I still love Penelope. Don't get me wrong. But going full circle, that was my journey. Um, I remember after reading Romancing Mr. Bridgerton, after seeing season two, I used to like search Pollen on Twitter, just like yeah. do a search for it and just read all the tweets about yeah. Pollen. <laughs> Cause it was that's when that's when it stopped being enough. That's when Canon yeah. stopped being enough. And yes. that's when you had to turn to And that's when that's when I be- I became this person who can't stop thinking <laughs> This is the birth 
of Rachel, a 619. Yeah. Um, That's really cool. I love that your your path to fan fiction. Yeah. And I remember, so the actually my path to fan fiction, I was telling you this in our messaging, that like I never yeah. read fan fiction. That's usually one of the first questions I ask is, um, is what fandom brought you to fan fiction? Yeah. And it was, it was pollen. Yeah. I, it was through those Twitter searches, just searching for pollen. It was, and I wasn't looking for anything in particular. I just wanted to see what people were saying about them. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, um, that I saw a tweet from, I'm not going to say their, their Twitter user handle cause I don't want to out them, but the AO3 user, the sushi monster, um, I saw her posting links, like she had a whole thread of all of her yeah. AO3 works. And, um, so I, started just reading them one after the other. So those are my first fan fictions I think that I'd ever read. Um, yes. I could see why you were absolutely hooked because Sushi Monster is amazing. She's amazing. So I could see why you started there and then you were like, I'm done. This is it. This is where I live. And then I was like, I have to I have to keep going. And then that's, <laughs> that's when I started writing for Pollen and yeah. Um, so what was that moment that led you there? And I think actually... You telling us your journey here um, explains why your first several um, fan fictions were romancing Mr. Bridgerton missing scenes. I love that. Yeah, because I, I wrote those basically after reading the books so many times in quick succession yeah. and then reading a bunch of fan fiction and being like, well, here are the scenes that I would have liked in the book. Like, you know, here's some things. And But do you know what's um, so cool about that is that like, you're, you were writing fan fiction for the books. Yeah. Because I think a lot of us who've read the books and who've read the books a million times, we want to will the mirror scene to be there. We want to open it up and be yeah. like, poof, it's in there, but it's never going to be in there. And it's, it's the exact same there, feeling yeah. when you watch a show and you're missing something and you just want it so bad. So I just think that it's so cool that our fandom is full of people who – who write for show and who write for book and who write for book and show. And we yeah. all, for the most, um, a lot of, most of us have read book and, and seen the show. Not everybody, but like we can appreciate each author and each fic on so many different levels. We just need yes. to key into where they're coming from. So yeah, but it's yeah. very, very cool that your impetus into writing fan fiction was the book romancing mr bridgerton it was 100 percent the book and not the show yeah, and my those first three that i wrote that were all like missing scenes were definitely i was definitely basing those on the book characters like the book version of penelope and colin versus the show yeah versions um and i will say i was not a snob about fan fiction before but i just didn't really get it like i was a writer um i wrote romance novels um prior to writing any fan fiction. Excuse me, you're just going to drop that? Say more. <laughs> we'll get, you were we a writer. Can, we, can come back to, we can come back to it. But so I was a writer, <laughs> and I knew a lot of other writers, and um, some of them wrote fan fiction. And I, they would uh -huh. tell me about it, and I just didn't get it. I didn't understand if you have a property, like a book or a movie or yeah. a TV show, that has characters or a world or a plot that you love, why you would then need an outside source that's not like the original creator. I just didn't get it. Mm -hmm. um, and so then finding the Sushi Monster, finding AO3, finding all of these pollen fan fictions, that is when I started to get it. Like, yeah. because I can't get enough. And even though these words that these other creators are, are writing 
are not Julia Quinn's, they're not Shonda Land's um, versions of the characters exactly. Like, you get the essence, you get the vibes. um, And you get to see them in scenarios that those original creators probably wouldn't, are never going to put the characters in. Um, And so I'm 100% a convert, and I'm sorry that I didn't understand it. Um, And I will say, when I say that I didn't understand it, I didn't begrudge anybody. Like, I wasn't judging anybody for... But I just didn't get it. It just it yeah. didn't make sense to me. And now it does. Yeah. So, yeah. Hello. Absolutely brilliant interview so far. How are you holding back on me? Like, oh, I'm just an author. No big. Uh, well, I'm not. I mean, I'm not really. I, I, I'm a writer. Um, I have written um, six novels, some short stories, some poetry. Po- the poetry is terrible. Um, I'm the novel, so hard. And the novels... <laughs> You're not an, wait, what did I, I called you an author, you said not really, they're They're not good. I highly doubt that. I highly, highly doubt that. I've read so much of your words. I highly doubt (laughs) you just, you just recently started becoming a good writer. That would be strange. No, no, I've been writing since I was a kid. Like, you know, I was in like this, anybody who listens to this, who's also a writer will kind of get this. I was in like a writing club, like a, a 6 a.m. Writer, writer's club when I was in middle school, like that my, um, one of my English teachers like hosted. So we would come yeah. like before school started. I said 6 a.m. That can't possibly be correct. Maybe 7 a.m. Uh, we would come before school started and we would like share our little stories. And um, so that's kind of when I started writing and those were really bad, but you know, I was in middle school. What, what can you do? And yeah, I just kind of, uh, wrote on and off various things all kind of throughout. And then I really started writing a lot, um, in my like mid twenties. And I wrote my first, my first novel, which is like a, it's sort of a romantic comedy, but it's not super heavy on the comedy. So more of just like a straight romance, I guess you could say. Um, but like a light, a light romance, not a, not a drama. Yeah. 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 So I did self-publish that one. So you can buy that one if you want. I don't recommend it, but you can. Well, well, well. Um, and then you can. You can. Um, and then Link that. I will. Okay. Um, and then I have a second. I have a second one that I self-published. It's more of a romantic fantasy. So when I read Colin fan fiction, I wonder how many published authors we have under the tag. And now you have revealed yourself as one of them, and I love it. <laughs> I'm one of them. I'm one, but I'm not. But it's not real. So, like, I will say this is sort of why I stopped writing my own original um, fiction because yeah. I did this. Um, I did this pitch wars thing a few years ago. Uh-huh. You, Ooh, uh huh. Yeah. I can't even remember how long it was. But the idea behind it is you have a published author who's like your mentor, and they are helping you polish up your book to pitch to a whole bunch of agents um and my my mentors were wonderful the problem was I kept having panic attacks trying to edit Mm. my book like I just couldn't do it and it was a whole it was a very much I'm sure sure, again if there are writers listening to this they will they will relate but it is it was very much a, a big imposter syndrome kind of situation happening where it wasn't that I didn't um that I was afraid of losing the previous versions it was, a, I was afraid I could not make it better. Like I was physically incapable wow. yeah. of making it better. Um, so I didn't even get to the pitch portion. Like I couldn't even make it mm. there because I, I kept breaking down and like <laughs> not being able to actually edit my work. 
So one of the things I really love about writing fan fiction is that I can edit as little or as much as I want. And I yeah. do. <laughs> I do not edit very much at all before mm-hmm. I, I, I just hit publish because it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't. It's the best thing. It and does, it's if just... it matters to someone, that's their problem. Honestly, yeah. if they're going to negate all of your amazing, st- all of someone's amazing thoughts and ideas that they've given to us for free because right. it needed a little bit more editing, then that is on them. Honestly, I'm yeah. going to keep reading because I don't care. Yeah, some of my favorite stories that I have read um, in the pollen fan fiction world have been from non-English speakers. And I'm so thankful that they take the time to translate it because um, Google Translate, it's so different than having an author translate something for you and go through it and really like just do their, yeah, I'm so thankful for our um, multilingual authors, yeah. Yeah, all of our wonderful Spanish speaking and Portuguese speaking and uh, French speaking. Whenever I get, I'm so, I'm so delighted whenever I get a French comment on one of my um, AO3 works because I speak a very, very small amount of French. And when I say speak, I I can pick out words. I can't actually speak it. Um, But sometimes I'll get a comment on, and I can understand most of it. And I get so excited. (laughs) And then I'm like, yes. So if you're French and you read any of my my fanfics, please leave me a comment in French because I love that. There you go. You heard it here. Yeah. (laughs) I love that you brought up the editing aspect of it, too, because like every author and that's the thing. It's fanfiction. It's free. You're the most important thing in the whole scenario is that you, the author, feel good. Yeah. And some authors just want to get it out. Like they want to write it and get it out. And then it's out there. And then some authors want to read it. Um over and over and over again and make sure and every you know everything in between and it it just is whatever makes you the happiest yeah is going to translate for us the reader yeah because then you're not stressed about all of that other stuff and anyway yeah yeah and for me it's always been I just want people to read it I don't really care as so much about like can it be better because in my head it probably can't be better so I'll just get it out there it's fine (laughs) (laughs) And not that I'm saying it's great or perfect when I... I don't see how it could be better. So I'm just going to affirm you in saying I don't see how you could have made it better. Like, it's really just so wonderful. So if anybody does want to read any of my original yes. work, there are two self-published books on Amazon. If anybody's interested, I can send them the link. Well, I am definitely I'm definitely going to... Um, <laughs> okay. No, for reals. Uh, I'm going to link it when I link your AO3 author profile. I'll make sure on Instagram I'll give it its own page with that. And, okay. Um, you don't have to. Because look at... It's, it's fine. You are very talented. Because I was going to say I was going to link it with information for Yellow Duck, Crochet, and Knit as well. We haven't even talked about oh. that. So you're no, just like a yeah. creative person... Creativity just is constantly oozing from you. What is a nicer um, way of saying that? What's a nicer <laughs> way of saying you're a very creative person? Well, I mean, I think that's fine. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I, no, I am not. I actually don't think that of myself as a very creative person, um, which I know sounds weird. I collect hobbies. Um, you enjoy them. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, I You do. don't what, just, like, collect yeah. them, but, like, you seem to really enjoy and dive into and love exploring like, there's a, a real love of creating that I feel from you, even now listening to more about your creative process uh, as a writer. So. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I would say I'm a cre- 
tour, not that I'm creative. I'm not good at... I hear you. I totally hear you. The artistic um, side of creating. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not... I don't know what colors look good together. And I don't... Mm. I can't design things. And I don't, you know... But you get inspired and you make things. You like making things. You're a maker. I'm I'm a maker. I'm a maker. So... um, I like the things you make. (laughs) Thank you. I kind of always have been. Um, I've always been a big reader as well. Big... um, and then when I was a kid, yeah, I just um, picked up little hobbies here and there. And, and now that I'm an adult and I'm a single adult with no kids or responsibilities outside of myself, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's nice that I have something like an outlet to, so I'm not just like sitting at home staring at the TV <laughs> all the time. I have something to do with my hands and, yeah. um, and I, yeah, I like keeping my hands busy. That's very cool. So yeah, the crochet, I learned crochet um, back in... April of last year so it hasn't quite been a year yet um but you know I picked it up I think fairly quickly but you mixed you mixed your mediums media you mixed your whatever media or mediums um your worlds collided they did your fan to your Bridgerton fandom world and your crochet world collided months after you picked up crocheting um so yeah I just randomly entered the contest on the shape of things Instagram page, never, ever thinking that I would win. I wanted to see the show so badly, um, but I didn't think I was going to win the contest and I couldn't afford to go to London. I live in the States and, and (laughs) I checked that ticket out and it was intense. Plane tickets right now overseas are astronomical. Yeah. And I was working, um, I think I was in a meeting maybe when they announced the winner. So I didn't see the winner. I can't believe it. So I didn't know that I had won until I was finished with the meeting and I had gone up to my, back to my work computer. And I think I was on, I think I got on Twitter for something and somebody had tagged me like, Hey, congratulations. Oh my God. This is so cool. Oh my and gosh. No <laughs> so then I went to Instagram and I saw it and I remember responding to it like, Oh my God, that's so exciting, but I can't go. Like I can't afford to go. And I was talking to this lovely associate producer of The Shape of Things, and she was like, oh, you know, that's really, you know, let us, you know, think about it. Let us know if you can't, we'll give it to somebody else. Yeah. Oh, I bet your heart was like, oh. I know. And so, you know, I finished that conversation. I got up and I went over to the other side of my office where my boss and two of my coworkers have their, their cluster of offices. And I was like, oh, my God, I won this contest to see a play in London really want to see this play but I can't afford a plane ticket to London and they were all just kind of looking at me like what are you talking about and I kind of explained a little bit about how into Luke Newton I was without being weird about it and (laughs) (laughs) which you know um yes and they all just kind of were like just go and I was like no I don't have the money for it they're like yeah put it on your credit card like this this is like clearly it's meant to be clearly you really want to go and so I did it. Anyways, a long story short, when I went there and I was talking to, like, the associate producer had met me when I showed up and, like, she was, she bought me a drink and we were talking about things. And I mentioned, I was like, yeah, so I happen to write fan fiction for Bridgerton, for Pollen specifically. And I had mentioned that, you know, at the time I had kind of a popular fan fiction. And so I had a lot of Twitter followers from that. And that everyone was being so um kind and everyone was being so supportive and everyone was like so excited to hear about my experience 
And so that's why, like, I knew I had to do it. Even if it was going to put me in debt for a little while, <laughs> I knew I had to go. You made it work is the thing is you 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 yeah. took it seriously. You took the commitment seriously, the financial commitment seriously, but you made it work. And I'm always for experiences. I'm always for experiences yes. over things. Yeah. Where did you sit? I was pretty close. I was in the second row um, mm-hmm. towards the like on the right-hand side of the theater mm-hmm. towards, but towards the aisle. So like sort of center-ish. Yeah. Um, oh, so you, did you get a good view of him when he got in the audience? Uh, he was like right in front of me, sort of. Oh. Like, um, he was on the first row, kind of center yeah, in the yeah, first yeah. row, and mm-hmm. I was on the second row off to the left. So he was uh, he was in front of me and a few over um, yeah. when he came and sat in the audience. But there was an empty seat right beside me the uh-huh. whole play. So I was convinced that he was going to come and sit in that seat because I knew he sat in the, or, or if not him, like Carla or somebody, because I knew that, right. that a couple of the actors sat in, in the, in this. So anyways, they were also filming the show while I was there. And so I knew before they announced it. You were at the filming show. I've seen the performance you saw. Yeah. So you've probably wow. seen me. You've probably seen me in the audience. Right. Cause, um, I got to look for your dress. Um, yeah, it was just phenomenal. And I'm a huge theater geek. I love theater. I wanted to be an actress when I was younger. Um, so seeing it in, in person and seeing how good Luke Newton is as an actor, yeah. he is phenomenal. I cannot wait to see what he does in season three. He's just so good. He's so, 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 so I can't even, I mean, like I was literally blown away. He was everything you want somebody to be. And he, he did it in an American accent, which yeah. is so impressive his American accent is really good. Um, there was a moment when I got to go backstage and, and meet the cast, and Carla had mentioned something about um, him, about Luke and her kind of switching back and forth between their American accents and their natural British accents, uh-huh. and how it annoyed their friends. And I I was like, oh, were you speaking in your American accents just now? Because I, di- I didn't even notice. Like, it was so natural right. coming from both of them. Um, I will say Luke did not say a lot when I met yeah. him. Um, he was super nice. They were, and the moment I met him was kind of surreal, and I will remember it for the rest of my life. Do tell. Yeah, she had taken me kind of around the corner backstage, like through this hallway, to get to where I was going to meet them. And we were about to go through these double doors, and I assumed that that was just kind of the entrance to the backstage, and we would kind of go further uh-huh. back to like a green room or, I don't know, something like that. But when those doors, doors opened, the cast, Amber, Luke, and Carla were right there, like waiting for me in this small little alcove. Yeah, so that's the pictures that you took, right? And they were still in costume. They were still in costume. It was immediately after the curtain call. As soon as the doors opened, Luke spread his arms out so wide and just immediately came and gave me a hug. Like, immediate. Like, it was, I didn't have to ask for it. It was like, the doors opened, he's coming towards me for a hug. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> Did time move fast or time stand still? Um, definitely a little bit of both. Like, I, I know as soon as, as soon as he, like, let go of me, I know I buried my face in my hands because I could feel how red <laughs> my face got. Because I wasn't expecting, I thought that we were going to have a little bit more of a ways to go. I didn't, I wasn't expecting them to be right there. This is when I pause the podcast and ask you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How? Uh, <laughs> what, were those arms like? Were they, were they? 
Yeah, they were they were they were pretty nice. Um, they were very nice. <laughs> they were pretty nice. I will say a lot of people ask me, "Did he smell good?" So I will answer that question because I know a lot of people ask. Yeah, I feel like lots of people want to know how he smells, but he just had done the show. He had so, just done the show. I couldn't smell yeah. anything except for his the leather coat that he was still wearing. He was yeah. still wear, wearing his leather jacket. That's all I smelled. Um, Wilson's so, leather coat, so perfect. Yeah. Um, so I I can't answer the question of whether or not Luke smells good because yeah. even though I hugged him twice, I the only thing I smelled both times was just his leather jacket. So jacket. he smelled like leather to me, and that was great. Um, That's hot. <laughs> but yeah, he's so tall, and actually all of the cast were taller, is much taller than me. Um, but they were also sweet. Amber and, and Carla did most of the talking, and I and I was kind of explaining about my whole weekend and getting there and and everything and telling them that I had to fly back the next day, like, so I couldn't, like, do anything, and, um, Luke kind of, he was pretty quiet. I didn't get, like, an individual picture with Luke, which I really would have liked. Um, I didn't, my book, I wanted him to sign Romancing Mr. Bridgerton for me, but that, my book was in my suitcase, which, if you followed my Twitter thread, yes, (gasps) my suitcase got, got left in Iceland, so I didn't have my book. Petition um, to get Rachelle so- 619's <laughs> Romancing Mr. Bridgerton book signed. Oh, my heart. That's right. I totally forgot. Yeah. The only thing um, that I got to really mention about Bridgerton was when I gave them the ducks. Yes. The so ducks. that's when Yellow Duck. I love that you were That's when Yellow Duck was born. Gifts. Yes. My yeah. original plan was to make enough of the ducks that everybody on the cast and crew could have one. Aww. And my reasoning was that the play sort of has a bit of an ugly duckling theme, like a dark ugly duckling theme. And so I was making them ugly ducklings, you know. And, you know, I figured they probably get asked for, like, autographs when people come backstage and, like, when they meet people. And so I wanted to give them something in return. Like, they gave me the tickets and this great experience. Yeah. And so I just wanted to give them something in return. And so Luke picked a yellow duck. They all—they were all different colors. That's so cute. I had them all in my hands. There was a bunch of different colors. And Luke held out his hands, which were twice the size of my hands. <laughs> That's another thing I will, I will never forget. He held out his hands for me to put them into. And so I you know, gave him all the ducks. And he started kind of like letting, like holding his hands out to people to choose the ones that they wanted. And, um, oh, that's so sweet. Oh, that's such a sweet detail. Oh, my heart. I know, um, Majid took, Majid took a, um, like a royal blue one that he said his yeah. son was going to love. Um, Carla took a green one and Amber took like a turquoise one. But Luke took yellow. And Luke took yellow. Luke took yellow. And, and there was more than those colors to choose from is what you were saying. There were more than those colors to choose from. He could have had any of the other ones. And when he took it, I really almost fainted. Like, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe he actually chose a yellow one. Now, I would have chosen a yellow one, too, just because I think ducks are supposed to be yellow. So that could have been why he chose it. I don't I don't know the inner workings of his mind. But in my mind, I was like, oh. Uh, but he took the yellow one. We're acting like pollinators should act. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I gotta hope he never listens to this. Luke, I'm sorry. Um, Why do you and... hope Luke never <laughs> listens to my podcast? No, this this part right here, me talking. Um, so after they kind of distributed them and we, and we had moved on to something else, we were, I don't know what we're talking Oh, I was telling them the meaning of the ducks. Yeah. And then I sort of um, got his attention. I kind of like put, touched him on his arm. And I said, you know, the ducks are also sort of a nod to Colin Bridgerton. 
And I was just kind of going to kind of leave it at that. And Luke kind of nodded like, oh. And then Amber, this is part of, probably my favorite part. Amber looks at me and she's like, oh, what, a duck, what do ducks have to do with Colin Bridgerton? And then she goes, I'm sorry, I don't watch Bridgerton. <laughs> and so I said, oh, that's okay. As if like. <laughs> you forgave her? Yeah, like I forgave. Like, <laughs> and Luke is probably thinking like, who gives it? Like, who cares? Um, like, I'm the one on the show. I don't care. Um, and I'm like, telling you, oh, it's okay. Um, and so then, so she's like, what do, you, what do ducks have to do with Colin Bridgerton? And, well, and she proceeds to say something like, I don't know who this guy is. He's just been following me around for the past couple of months, oh, which was gosh. hilarious. Um, and so then I explained, I was like, oh, well, there's this scene um, in season two where uh, Colin is worried because everybody else has their life figured out and he doesn't really. And he's just feeding the ducks. And Luke's kind of nodding as I say it. And really? Amber's like, yeah. And Amber's like, oh, poor Call. Poor, and, and like, it's so cute. And, and, and Colin, uh, Luke kind of like, again, was just kind of like nodding along. Yep, yep, poor Call. <laughs> and really? I said, well, it's okay. He's going to be doing pretty well coming up pretty soon. Oh, and such a good again, answer. Luke just, yeah, Luke just kind of nods. And I, he's like, but yeah, I can't say anything about that. And I was like, oh, really? Not even just like a little bit? And mind you, this was less than a week after Brazil and Nicola yeah. telling people that they'd broken furniture. Like, <laughs> less yes. than a week oh my God. later. And Luke is so tight, tight-lipped. Post-broken furniture knowledge. Yeah, and Luke won't say anything about it. And I was like, okay. So I didn't push it. I didn't ask any other questions because, again, I didn't want to alienate the rest of the cast. And I had already mentioned to... Uh, Carla and Amber at one point, I think Luke was standing there when I said this, that because my trip had been weird and I lost my bag, that I had to kind of go out like two hours before the show and find a dress and find makeup and find like stuff to do my hair because Luke Newton couldn't see me looking like this. In the airport outfit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So anyways, um, so that, yeah, that was my trip. So he he got a yellow duck. I don't know if he still has it um, because the picture that we took of the group, the other three actors yeah. were holding up their ducks. But of course, Luke didn't. And so I had texted... Well, he was too busy holding you. Yeah. <laughs> so I had texted um, the associate producer on WhatsApp to ask. I was like, I know this is a lot. You guys have done so much for me. If it is at all possible that Luke, that I can get a picture of Luke with his duck, I would really appreciate it. But it's totally fine if not. And she's like, oh, I'm sure he won't mind. And then I never heard from her again. Yeah. So... Um, if, Luke, if you are listening, I won't share it with anybody. I just want it for me, just to know that you are in possession. Okay, I like this better that you want Luke to be listening. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want it. I just want to know that you still have it in your possession. I don't. I, I won't share it. I just need it to to know for my own my own pure heart um, that you still have it. So yeah, that was my experience meeting Luke. He was fantastic. The whole crew, cast and crew was fantastic. So like, it must've been so surreal to, this is a, a meaningful fandom to you enough that you like started writing again. Yeah. That you started writing in a medium that you'd never, you'd never even thought about writing in before. Yeah. Yeah. Not even in a bad way that, not that you dismissed it, just that like, it wasn't something that called to you before. So like this fandom is meaningful to you. It must have been so surreal. Yeah, yeah, it was. And this is really the first fandom that I have been a part of. Um, so obviously, I've, I've been fans of other things, obviously. Yeah. 
huge huge like Jane Austen fan like love 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 Jane Austen but I've never been a part of a community in terms of fandom before Pollen um again it's not that I just didn't need it I guess um yeah and for whatever reason this is the one that called to me and this is the one that I really desperately needed to be a part of and so here I am and that it offered you that really, really special experience yeah, is pretty stinking cool. <laughs> I've never thought of myself as a lucky person. In fact, like, there's kind of a joke in my family that I am the unlucky person. Um, <laughs> like, you know, something bad happens, you're like, oh, that's so Rachel kind of thing. Um, and, but I was telling somebody that I didn't know very well about some of this, these things, like, you know, get, going to meet Luke and whatever. And they're like, oh my God, your life, like you are like so lucky, like you do all these cool things. And it really helped me appreciate a lot more some of the very cool things that I have gotten to do in my life. Um, And that was definitely a very cool thing that I got to do in my life that I will always be very grateful for. I'm going to cry. Yeah, not really. (sighs) Oh, I'm happy for that. You deserve it. So I had planned on asking you what it was about Bridgerton that draws you to it. And then I got a question from a new listener yesterday um, asking who your favorite sister is. (laughs) And then I immediately thought, perchance, the nature of the Bridgerton family all in and of itself is is what draws you to this universe as a whole. So when I got that comment from your sister oh no i have no idea if it's your sister it was from a from a listener listener. it was from my sister because she texted me (laughs) and told me she said i asked a question and like she responded because i shared your story on my story and she responded to that yeah it was like i asked a question i was like oh god is it embarrassing and she's like no but you'll know it's from me now she probably doesn't know anything about bridgerton so she probably doesn't realize like asking who's your favorite sister if it, like a random person asked that about somebody who's going to be talking about Bridgerton, they could just be, who's your favorite Bridgerton sister? No, it's so Bridgerton. It's, it's such yeah. a good question. It's, um, so I'm going to answer I'm going to answer it that way instead of answering my personal favorite sister um, of okay. my own, of my blood. <laughs> my favorite Bridgerton sister is Hyacinth. Um, I she... knew it! <laughs> How can she not I be? love her so much. She's so great. So she's so funny. Yeah. She's so spunky. You do so good at writing Hyacinth. Oh, thank you. Really, you really, I love your Hyacinth. Um, yeah. I don't write her very often because she there is such an age gap between Colin yeah. and Hyacinth, but I do love when she is included in something because but she just I know. always... I love my feelers. Always, I always notice, though, because my feelers are always up for Hyacinth, and when I see people totally nail Hyacinth, I'm like, oh, I love it so much. You did the... um romancing Mr. Bridgerton missing scene uh-huh. with Hyacinth having to chaperone. Yes. Yeah. That was... And her um, the second, bribing him. <laughs> that was my second pollen fanfic. Yeah. And she... Was it? And you had Hyacinth in it. I had Hyacinth in it. And she... Well, because, I mean, let's... If, if she was asked to chaperone, that is how she would act. <laughs> like... We just know if somebody is asking. Hyacinth, we know, especially from um, the epilogues, the, the second epilogues. Yeah, we get to see Hyacinth when she's at her mischief making. Yeah, at her mischief making best, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, let's dive into Penelope hates Valentine's Day. Okay, we can. What was? Oh wait. So first of all, 
I was super excited about. I already told you how excited I was about this piece. And I should also say that, like, uh, while we're editing it, Mr. Fix and Rex keeps, like, taking his headphones off and going, this is so sweet. Oh. Yeah, literally always, like, every time I go into the room, he'll take his headphones off and be like, this is so sweet. I hope that he gets some inspiration for Valentine's Day coming up. Like, I'm like Penelope. I'm like, it's just a any day but then no no she's a believer she's 100 percent a believer yeah she's a believer but she's i think become a little bitter about the holiday because yeah. that's how i am <laughs> <laughs> so i get penelope i get her her annoyance with this holiday and mm-hmm. i think if i had somebody that i had been crushing on and really thinking that i was in love with for so long and they all of a sudden started showing me this kind of attention, like I'm sure this Colin is still friends with her, still flirts with her. It's still his charming self, but he wouldn't have started giving her gifts, kissing her on the cheek. You know, those would have been things that just started when he realized his feelings and realized he was going to do something about his feelings. So in the story, he mentioned Yeah, because it was a big deal to him in the story to do it. It was a very big deal for him to do it. And it's so cute that it's a big deal. <laughs> He's worried that she's not going to feel the same. He's worried it's going to affect their friendship. Um, and I think you do have to have kind of that dynamic in a modern AU. I think because, again, even if you have a Penelope who hasn't um, really had boyfriends or really had attention from men, that's probably not going to be the perspective of Colin. He's probably not going to see it that way. Even if he kind of notices that she doesn't really date or whatever, he's not going to be thinking nobody ever notices her because he notices her. Yeah. So he's he's still going to have some of those same insecurities of, well, what if she doesn't see me the same way? What if she doesn't like me like that? Mm, I love that reasoning. Yeah. So Yeah, that's a really cool way of thinking about it. Being a little bit more forward, and I wanted it to kind of be important like at the at the beginning when Eloise is like, oh my God, do you like her? And he's like, no, I love her. <laughs> I wanted him, I wanted kind of the the impetuous for him to to reveal his feelings to Penelope to be that Eloise had figured him out because that was yeah. sort of one of the things that was holding him back. Like, how is Eloise going to react to this? So yeah. when Eloise knows, he's got, he knows that that's it. Okay, she knows she hasn't like completely destroyed me. And now if I don't tell Penelope... It's only a matter of time before Eloise does. It's very cool to hear you explain that as well, because it shows us how deeply you understand the dynamic, not just between them, but like as them individually as characters. Yeah. And that translates regardless of Regency. Or modern. Yeah. So in terms of inspiration, it was just that Valentine's Day was coming up. Valentine's Day was coming up. I think I actually posted this after Valentine's Day, so I might have written it a day or two after. I think just like a couple days after. Yeah, I think I posted it a few days after. So it was quick for you? It was a quick process? Yeah, it, I wrote it pretty fast. Um, I don't remember if it took me a day or two, but probably not longer than that. Because um, it's not very long. It's a pretty short fic. Um, and I didn't edit it at all. I just... And I handwrite everything. So I, I wrote it, oh, I typed love that. it. Um, I do some light editing when I type things up. So there's usually like, I'll add in some more description or I'll adjust dialogue or whatever. Yeah. So that's kind of your built-in. That's great. You write it and then kind of your built-in extra moment is the typing in process. Yes. Yeah. Um, I like that process. And so, yeah. And and then I just, and then I just post it because again, it doesn't matter. 
Um, I'm glad so many people enjoy reading it and reading my fix, but in the grand scheme of things, I'm really just writing them for me just to get them out, just to get it out of my head and onto a piece of paper. But the inspiration for it, I think, was that Valentine's Day had just passed. There was a whole bunch of Valentine's fics that I was loving reading. And I was like, I can write a Valentine's fic. I haven't written anything in a while. And there is this, um, there is this movie called I Hate Valentine's Day, which I've always really liked the title of. The movie's okay. It's not bad. It's got um, Neo Vagaris in it, who was in My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Uh-huh. And the plot is very different. The, the two plots of my fanfic and that movie have nothing to do with each other. But I really like the title, I Hate Valentine's Day. So that's kind of between my own feelings about Valentine's Day and that, that's kind of where the the idea for Penelope Hates Valentine's Day Where the, the fic was born. Yeah. So speaking of inspiration, uh, one of our one of our listeners wanted to know, okay, have you had any great ideas while crafting? Oh, no. <laughs> um, probably not. Uh, because like especially with crochet, you have to count. You have to you're count. right. And you do little and tiny things. I do little things. tiny things and yeah, I usually right. have um, a YouTube video playing in the background or like a sitcom or something like that uh-huh. um, so that it's not super quiet in my house. So generally, where does inspiration come from? Do you get it? Do you get it when you're doing certain things or do you? There's no one way. Um, mm-hmm. So with the first couple of Pollen fan fictions I wrote, it was really I read a lot of Pollen fan fiction and I was reading the book a lot and I was like, you know, there's some missing scenes that I kind of like. Yeah, that was straightforward. Yeah, especially the idea of, of Colin telling his family that he and Penelope weren't engaged. Like, I really wanted to see that. Yeah. And I knew that we weren't getting. You gave a, us the proposal that we deserve. Yeah, we weren't getting <laughs> yeah. anything like that in the show. And I, I just knew there's not going to be any kind of, there's not going to be any kind of book equivalent to that in the show because again the timelines are very different so even if we do get the carriage and the are you gonna marry me or not how he tells his family on the show is going to be very different to how he would have told them in the book so that's that's how I kind of started on that path and then once I got started um my my next um kind of fic after sunrise over mayfair was one a kiss for a quid yes a kiss for a quid that was a modern au so you went from deep inside yes regency you done sunrise over mayfair and inside the book yeah and then that you decided to do a modern au i really liked the alliteration of a kiss for a quid and i liked i had read operation barista on um ao3 yeah. i can't remember the author at the moment um, but I'm sure people have read it. It's actually a Cantony fic, and it's so good, and it's so funny, and it's, um, and it's almost completely text-based, um, where people are, uh, are texting mm-hmm. each other. And it was so good and so funny, and I love the dynamics of the family. And I think if you go to A Kiss for a Quid on my, you'll see I, I have a link to it, because I that's kind of, I wanted to write a text fic after I, I read that one. So you read it, and you're like, is it going to be a text fic? And then the next thing happens and it's not it's a mixture and I was like yes I yeah. love it I love it when you can play with structure you can play um uh, yeah I've played with structure a bit um I think my favorite story where I played with the structure was um only bought this dress which is another modern AU yeah. um where each chapter is kind of going back and forth between two different points in time yeah. um like usually it's a, a like a part of Pollen's past like 
how they met or how she realized she loved him or whatever. And sometimes um, it's the near past. Sometimes it's not even like the distant past. Yeah. And sometimes it's the near past. Yeah. And so you're just learning different things about these characters kind of as the main timeline is progressing. Exactly. And I really, one of the things I enjoy about fiction um, is about creating a world and creating a life for characters. And you don't always have to put everything explicitly on the page. So like in Only Bought This Dress, you know, you learn that Colin and Penelope have this summer 90s uh, OOs throwback playlist kind of thing that Mm, they put together one summer after uh, Colin had kind of a bad breakup. And it's sort of throwaway. I mean, like they sing to it and they they get excited about it. But that just adds a layer to the character. We don't see a scene of them creating this playlist. You know, it's yeah. just, it's kind of there. And then there's another moment where Colin is singing, um, I can't help falling in love with you. I can't yeah. help falling in love with you at the wedding. And Penelope remembers seeing him sing that at karaoke nights and seeing him, like, go, seeing, go, go into gigs to listen to him, to him sing different songs and things like that. And again, you don't have to put those actual moments in the story yeah you know what else i love about um only bought this dress is it's a song fic it is and um it's a it's a lengthy song fic yes which again sort of sort of inspired by um dress by the sushi monster they're very different stories and and her dress is you know one of the all-time great pollen fics um if people are listening and they have not read it, what are you doing? Yes, it's on our Fix and Rex all-time favorite Pollen yeah. <laughs> Um And again, the stories are really different, but um, I think I read that one and I really love Dress by Taylor Swift. It's a great song. It's definitely a Pollen song. It's, you know, everybody, yeah. everybody agrees it's a Pollen song. And so I kind of wanted to have my own interpretation of it um, because the song is essentially a friends to lovers song and her fic dress is a friends to lovers fic, but I wanted to interpret certain lyrics of the song without being, um, obvious about it. So you'll see like yeah. the chapter titles that I pick out are, are meant to like one of the chapter titles is patiently waiting. And you're like, what does this yeah. have to do with this chapter? And you don't really see what it has to do until you've read the whole chapter. And it's, yeah. and, and she is kind of ending the evening after this wonderful day waiting for him, waiting for him to arrive, waiting for their life to start or their relationship to start and she's actually not that patient about it. <laughs> and um, so I kind of wanted to do that with the chapter titles. And I kind of wanted to say, yes, this is inspired by a song, but it's also more inspired by the vibes of the song and the vibes of Friends to Lovers. That I was literally just going to say that. I was like, this feels like the song. This yeah. is so the anticipation, like the way you kept them apart from each other. Yeah. That whole fic is like really such a specific world. It's a specific feeling. And yeah. I and I think it's because it's the song fic. And music really plays a large part into it. And, and it wasn't even towards the end. I was like, only bought this dress. I was like, she bought the dress at the beginning. Anyway, I love yeah, it. Yeah, she bought the dress at the beginning, but it does come off at the end. So. It does come off at the end. Uh, so that, that's helpful. Um, yeah, I actually think that fic is probably my favorite um, that I have written. I, I just so think, much. I think in terms of skill it is the best one that I have written. I just think it's, you know, I don't compliment myself in my writing a lot, but I just, I just think that one's a good one. I just, if anybody who's listening hasn't read any of my works, I mean, 
you've listened. Yes, we wrecked it. Everybody should read it. (laughs) That's the one I would start with. What I love about this fic and a lot of your other fics is that you find ways to incorporate just subtle references to canon. But I do try and put little nods. Um, Like in this, uh, in Valentine's Day, there's something. Oh, there was a cameo from Lucy Abernathy. Lucy. Um, yes, and he's <laughs> yes, and Colin Matchmaker. You Colin did a little Matchmaker. Colin Matchmaker in there, and I was like, oh yes, I loved it. My heart squeezed. Yeah. Oh, and there's um, the eclairs are in this one. You know, we make sure we yeah, get the some eclairs eclair love right. in here. Um, and yeah, so I think it's important when you are writing a uh, modern AU's to remember that you they are in a different world, but that doesn't mean you can't bring in little pieces of their Regency world or their book world or the show world. You can still, um, because at the end of the day, they are still Colin and Penelope. Um, But also, they're Colin and Penelope in the real world. So how does that, you know, what does that look like? And that's why I love modern AUs so much is because then it's it's how, then you really see how the authors interpret the characters and the essential, Mm -hmm. what each author considers the essential of them or what they just consider the essential of them for that story because you can always play and find different things about them to explore. Yes. But yeah, modern AUs kind of let let us see our author, see how our authors view the characters for not just Pollen, but for like the family characters. Like Mm -hmm. you said, your text Mm -hmm. fix are so specific. And I was Got really it. excited to dip our toes into texting because there's only like a five line text in um, Penelope Hates Valentine's Day. Yeah. So I was really excited to like figure out just design wise, sound wise, how, you how we it. would handle it Yeah. in a manageable section because of course there's text fix everywhere and I don't, yeah. but it was so, I love, so I love that even though it was a little teeny, teeny, tiny portion of Penelope Hates Valentine's Day that you still included it and it was still brilliant. Yeah. L was so L and the way Colin just <laughs> does it and and puts his phone away. Chaos Colin reigns supreme. Chaos Colin. We, if you don't have Chaos Colin in a fic, what are you doing? Uh, I know, right? <laughs> Drop the bomb and turn the phone off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I love, I love Chaos Colin so much. So you, said, so you said the process for Penelope Hates Valentine's Day was pretty quick. Um, yeah. Does that differ for the other fix, like, do you? Yeah. Out- it doesn't sound like you outlined Penelope hates Valentine's Day. Do you? Do you outline? No, no, no. there was. I mean, it was. It was pretty quick. So, um, outlining depends on the story. But the thing that I do the most, not, that's not really outlining, but it's I when I take my dog on walks, I will mm-hmm. think through what I want to write, and I will kind of play the scene through in my head and play the dialogue through my head. And kind of finagle with it and see what works best and what doesn't. And I, and that's, usually I do that for a couple of days before I actually sit down and write anything. Um, I'm just kind of thinking about the scene, thinking about the characters in my head. I also do that to help me fall asleep. (laughs) I do too. Not, not writing stories, but thinking about your stories. (laughs) Thinking about my stories. Yeah, yeah. And so... Um, I, so I have a lot of plans or I had a lot of plans for my kind of abandoned quote unquote fix. Um, well, let's get to that actually. And let me formally ask you, what are you working on now? And can I also say that we got a sweet, uh, listener Uh hoping to specifically hear about any plans you have for the punishment she deserves? Yeah. 
so that fic also kind of went off the rails a little bit because I I told you when we were it's so good I know I told you when we were texting I know I was so excited for her because I knew I was gonna get some information for her so when she asked um, that question I was like ah listen please listen to the podcast I have all these voice memos with um I have all these voice memos with chapter ideas for that fic and the problem is that I got ahead of myself I wrote the chapter that has all of Colin's letters I wrote that yeah not meaning to publish it as a separate chapter yet I meant to hold back and to publish the chapter where Violet starts receiving the letters and is wondering about the letters and eventually she was going to there was going to be a reason that she needed to open the letters I didn't know what the reason was yet there was going to be a reason and that's when I was going to reveal what the letter said. Oh. Hey, though, why don't you just go back and take it back? I got... Take back the chapter. Too excited, and I wanted people to read those letters. So I messed up my... I messed myself up because now, like, all the chapters I had planned are kind of... No, but would you ever... Would you ever go back and take it back? Um, I probably wouldn't take it back. I would probably just move forward and and work myself around it. And... I'm glad you gave us the letters because I love them so much. (laughs) That his increasing desperation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think my problem is one of the reasons why I kind of halted is because I can't really decide how I want the queen to actually punish Penelope. Like, we know that she's in the queen's custody right now, but we don't know Uh what her conditions are. We don't know, like, if she's safe, if she's, you know, we, we don't really know anything about that. And so I have thought of several different things that could have been happening to her during her imprisonment or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, but I, it's been months, right? Has it's, it it's yeah. been one month? Yeah. I think it's been about six weeks because it happened yeah. at the very end of the season, right after Colin left and yeah. he comes back for Kate and Anthony's wedding, yeah. which is a month to six to eight weeks yeah. after the season ended. So it's somewhere in that time frame. And where we left off, Colin is just concerned because she's not in town. Essentially none of her family is at their house. And that's kind of where we left off. I do think, and I've been thinking a lot about it, I really want to write a scene where Colin goes to Ireland thinking that Penelope's going to be there. And basically Portia reveals to Colin that Penelope is Lady Whistledown. That's kind of, I think, the kind of next place I want to go with it. I, lo- I love it when authors make me just sit here like the emoji with like, the mouth <laughs> open and the eyes wide. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> So that's where I think I want kind of to go. Because then Por- who would get that chapter? Would that be Portia's chapter? I think it would be either it would either be from Portia's point of view or it would be from Mrs. Barley's point of view. Because we can still, because I can still, yeah, I can still give information on like what was in the note that Penelope passed to Mrs. Barley before exactly. she was taken by the, the guards and what Penel- what Varley did to get the modiste, the package, and, you know, all those things. And so I do, yeah, I do really want to get back to that one. But actually, the one that I have been really ruminating on, now? on ruminating, not working on, <laughs> is the amnesia. Um, <gasps> oh, my God, I love you so much. Yes. Like, because here's the thing. I Okay, we need to pause the podcast so I can get up and dance. And I'm just, I'm sorry, we're going to take a break. I don't have sponsors. So just hang out, guys. Just hang out for five seconds because I'm not the kind of reader that asks authors to do things. But I really wanted the amnesia fic. It is so, 
it's angsty in a, in a is, really interesting way. It is angsty. And I, when I posted it, the idea was at some point I would come back to it and I would write some more chapters and it would be a full-fledged fic. And I go back all the time and reread it because I really enjoy it. I really I like do, it. I, I do too. Um, I would say, I would say I, that's one of my top ones that I reread Yeah. because the pain is really good. And I just yeah, want to will you to keep writing it. Like The pain. <laughs> so it, it is self-contained. It, it was written in a way that it could be a one shot. So, you know, if I never finish it, I don't feel that bad about it, but. But you should feel bad now because now you know you'll be hurting me directly. <laughs> I know. One of the reasons I really want to finish it is because a lot of the comments I was getting on it were really hard on Colin. And that was not my intention. Like I didn't intend for people to like be upset and be mad at Colin in this fic. And I realized that. Interesting. Yeah. I realized his inner thoughts in this fic can seem kind of like, oh, he really doesn't like Penelope. But that I really wasn't intending that. It was more of I was intending to show when you have something traumatic that like that that happens and you wake up and you don't remember your life anymore, you're going to lash out. You're going to be angry and upset. And for some reason, this Colin is focusing a lot of that anger on Penelope. And I think it's because even if this Colin doesn't remember their loving relationship, like their romantic relationship, he recognizes Penelope as someone who is safe for him to be get, to get mad at and that she's not going to turn away from him. She's not going to mm. leave him. She's not going to abandon him. You know, you would think he would almost sort of lash out at some a family member or something like that who you would also kind of feel those things for. But no, yeah. he's focused on Penelope. Even in this state where he does not remember their relationship, he is focused on her. And so... Yeah. Um, I really want to explore that some more and I really want to explore how he goes from not remembering the relationship to coming to the decision that he wants to sort of redevelop it, that he, if, if the, you know, the Colin that he was before the accident was so in love with Penelope and I have some little moments where he's going to kind of figure out how in love he was with Penelope, even if he doesn't quite remember them yet, um, and he's going to want to be like, okay, if he was, if he was so, if I was so in love with Penelope, why? And he's going to want to get to know her all over again. And we're going to see him fall in love with her all over fall again. Fall in love with her again, yeah. I think sometimes people are just looking for reasons to hate Colin. Yeah. I think he was disoriented and it was all disorienting, right? Yeah. And so to me, what you did a really great job of was that he's not, he's eight years ago, Colin. Yes, exactly. Um, and this is a person who hasn't had eight years of experience to figure his stuff out, He, you know? Exactly. When you read fix, um, especially rare parafix or like fix where people always like punish Colin, he's just a person and he needs to figure his stuff out, you know? Correct. Yeah. And I also don't think that Penelope would want to punish Colin. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll see how the show deals with it. But like the way I dealt with it in Sunrise Over Mayfair was she got her moment to tell him what happened. She she was able to say, this is why it hurt me. This is why I'm being cold with you. Like you need to do better. Um, But that's also why I like the dynamic of this piece is because Penelope is eight years wiser. Yes. So for her, yeah. it was eight years ago. For him, it was like yesterday. And so mm-hmm. playing with that dynamic just brings me back to dress where you're playing with timeline dynamics, even though we're in the present day. So I'm just, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I really, that's a special one for me. There'll be some, t- there'll be some playing with that a little bit too, if I move yeah. forward with it, because he's going to start having memories Have coming memories. back to him. Yeah. 
and he's going to yeah. start like visiting people from his past. Um, and you know, he's going to start learning yes. things <laughs> about his past, about Penelope's past. Um, so I don't usually bring Lady Whistledown into modern fix because I don't think it works very well. Because I think the reason Lady Whistledown works in the Regency period is because she's specifically talking to an audience the ton. You know, those people mostly know who everybody is. So she can, like, get out information about them. Um, I think it's a little bit harder when you have her be, like, a celebrity gossip um, columnist or something in a modern AU because how is she learning that information about all these celebrities? Like, um... It's just not gonna. Ha- she's not gonna have the same ability. So I don't usually bring that into modern, into my modern AU's. I will say, but I yeah. think for the amnesia fic, it's not gonna be. She's Lady Whistledown writing gossip, but I think there's going to be an aspect of that personality that gets drawn in to the modern world, and that is gonna cause problems for their relationship. I don't know if this is too much of a spoiler if you even know, but will it have yes. affected his relationship with Marina? Yes. Yeah. So that yeah. is so much room for angst. Yeah. And well, and, you know, in that, in the beginning, in that story, he, when he thinks about him and Marina's relationship ending, he doesn't know how it ended, but he knows yeah. Penelope had something to do with it. He doesn't know why yeah. he knows that, but he knows yeah. that. Like, just deep down, he knows it. And so he's going to find out that he was right. <laughs> that Penelope had something to do with it. And, yeah. and I think, I I don't know if I'm ever going to write it. I hope I do. But so hopefully I'm not spoiling this too much. But um, he's, yeah, he's going to, I think, find out from Marina, from Marina herself that Penelope is the reason. OMG. Yeah. I just said OMG. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay, so that's exciting. You, so right now, what's at the for, the for, what's at the forefront for what's next is the amnesia fic, probably potentially yeah. still thinking about the punishment she deserves. Yes, yeah. Um, I probably won't write anything new. If I do start writing anything, it'll be on on one of those two two fics, or okay. I do still also have my um, Christmas fic that I started for a gift giveaway <laughs> that I never yes. finished. Um, so that, and, and again, that I have plans for that I just haven't worked on. So it'll be one of the th- three, most likely the amnesia will come first because that's what I kind of have been rolling around in my head the most. Um, happy dance. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Although I'll be happy to get anything from you, honestly. But that's good to hear that you're, you're returning um, to works in progress. Yes. Because yeah. I consider okay. the amnesia fic, my heart considered it a work in progress because you a little tiny, teeny tiny bit said you might come back to it. So I'm glad I was, I have to get Rachel on podcast and make her tell me. (laughs) Well, I've already given, I've already given so much information about it. Do you really need it now? (sighs) This is the end of the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm going to go cry now. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. (laughs) No, you don't have to write it. I do really want to though. If you don't write it, I'll revisit this and I'll listen to it and I'll, I'll, you know. Yeah, I do really want to. I do enjoy that that little piece a lot. So yeah, I, I just think the potential is so massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't write a lot of angst. I, I think I, I think my my background in loving love is is too much uh, of a romantic to put too much angst in anything. Um, well, that as an angst person makes me feel safe because yeah. I'm a, a hurt comfort person. Uh-huh. So like. 
the people who are, who are angst writers who are like, I'm going to destroy you. I'm just going to finish you. I'm like intrigued by it. But like, I always end up like a little bit broken forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like when people who love love write angst, I know I'm going to be taken care of at the end. I know there's yeah. going to be aftercare for me. I know everything's going to be OK. Yeah. And then you're going to get me like it's going to be a journey to get me to a happy, a good place. So I feel safe when <laughs> fluff when fluff and romance writers write angst because yeah. like you do understand angst you do understand pain um in a beautiful way um and i know that i'm going to be okay at the end yeah well i just think i i bring that up because i do think that's why some i've sort of stalled on especially the punishment she she deserves and the mm. amnesia oh thing. interesting yeah i think it's harder for me to write angst i remember some of the yeah. first comments i got on the punishment she deserves were so many people upset that i was trying to punish penelope and I'm like, I'm not trying to punish Penelope. <laughs> like, I'm just exploring no. uh, an option. Like, that's all it is. It's not like... I, you write that at the beginning of every chapter. Yeah. And um, I love that you do, honestly, because that's the stuff that I, I want to read authors deep diving into, like, every crevice of every possibility. Yeah. I don't want them to be punishing the characters because they don't like the characters. I want yeah. them to tell a story because they think the story's interesting. Exactly. And that's what the punishment she deserves is. And that's why it's so special to me is, like, I feel safe reading that because yeah. even if it does end up angsty, I know you'll still have, it'll still have been you exploring that story from a place of loving the story of Colin and Penelope. Yes. It won't be from a place of punishment. It'll be from a place of exploring what would happen if. Yeah, exactly. The podcast is called Fix and Rex. Yes. And I love asking our authors, what is your all-time favorite pollen fan fiction? Okay. I know it's a hard question. It was a very hard question. I know. I remember before you asked me to like to narrow it down, I was thinking like, oh, this is my favorite Regency. This is my favorite modern. This is my favorite in progress. This is blah, blah. So like, nope, just one. Yeah, just one. <laughs> so I did narrow it down. And the one I picked is the one that is kind of my comfort pollen fic. I come back to it a lot. It's not very long. It's only 1,990 words. Um, it's a one shot. It's called By Mother's Delight um, by Three Fundamental Truths. Also just another fantastic um, thick yes. writer on AO3. It's just so sweet. And it's got lots of family. Yes. Very, a lot of family dynamics. The whole family dynamics. It's chaos and fun. And it's really sweet. And you just, I just love, I think the reason I love coming back to it, because I think the author really nails all of the characters. Like they all feel very in tune with the book characters yeah. that I love. Um, and I really love domestic same so i think that's one of the reasons i love this fic so much no but you're right domestic bliss pollen pollen post hea or in their hea is so sweet and this is absolutely you're totally right such a perfect example of that and Mm -hmm. it includes the family and it includes agatha yeah we we love the baby pollen um baby the penlins we love them so much um and i like this one a lot because it just it shows what a good father Colin definitely, definitely is. Yeah. I just think it's a beautifully crafted, very well-written, gorgeous, gorgeous little story. So everyone go read it. My Mother's Delight by Three Fundamental Truths. It's, I go back to it. I've probably read it 10 or 15 times. It's so good. Yeah, that's my favorite. And I was thrilled when you said this one because it's a one-shot. It's a and one-shot, it's yeah. And so, it has everything that you need and then just that little uh, uh, package of serotonin yes. for you. 
That's a very good way of describing and it. And I just, I just was really thrilled that this was your choice. Yeah, it's so it's so good. Thank you for it. It's so good. Everyone go read it, and everyone go read all three Fundamental Truths um, fix. Yes. Thank you for your recommendation. Thank you for spending time with us. Thank you for letting me read Penelope Hates Valentine's Day. It has been a joy. You're welcome. Thank you, listeners, readers, and friends, for choosing to tune in. Your support means the world to us. Links to Rachel 619's AO3 author profile, her published books, Yellow Duck Crochet, as well as her Pollen Fick recommendation, can all be found on the Fix and Rex social media pages. Join us next time for more fan fiction, conversations, and recommendations. Until then, this is WMN. Happy reading.